Well, if you're joining us for the first time, or maybe the first time in a few weeks, we are wrapping up a series called Unseen Battle. Unseen Battle. And today we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 6 and James chapter 5. So Ephesians chapter 6 and James chapter 5, if you have your Bibles. We're going to be there in just a few moments. Uh, Before we do that, and then next week, we're starting a three-week series on a thankful life. And really, for me, a thankful life can really change our life. And I fully believe that. And the holiday season comes with a lot of excitement, a lot of joy, but it also comes with some heartbreak. It comes with some tension. It comes with, uh, there's a lot going on. How do I manage all of this? And you're keeping all the plates spinning. And so for us to set up the season with a thankful heart, uh, we're going to do a three-part series. And then we're going to be into Christmas. Can you believe that? It's pretty wild to think about. Time flies, you know, and as we experience it. But that's going to start next week. We hope that you will join us as well. And so let me just pray and ask God to speak to our hearts here this morning. And we're going to jump right in. So let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much. We are so blessed that uh, today is another day that we have breath in our lungs and that you've given us the opportunity to use the breath that is in our lungs to worship you during our time of worship, God. And I just pray that uh, you help us as we continue to worship by opening up your word and studying in it. And just I pray that you would speak to our hearts. God, I know that there is a lot that maybe we're trying to carry and a lot that's going on. I pray that we can place that at your feet, Jesus. I pray that you will speak to our heart. I pray that the Holy Spirit will just uh, uh, allow revelation to happen inside of our hearts and our minds as we open up your word and as it grows us, challenges us, convicts us, but also encourages us and equips us, God, and, and allows us to experience your goodness. God, I pray that I will decrease so that you may increase. And we ask all this in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Amen, amen. amen. There was this uh, bodybuilder. Uh, I'm sure everyone in the room can picture a bodybuilder. You know, they got the big muscles, muscles on top of muscles. And, and their job is to get big muscles, right? And to refine those things. And then they practice. They have different positions that they have to uh, master. And they're flexing in the mirror and trying to get all that squared away. Well, there was this one bodybuilder. After he won the final Mr. Olympia, he did a world tour. So he would go to these particular places and he would uh, kind of show off and do his flexing. Well, this one particular time he went overseas to a third world country and went to this remote village and he was going to go just almost like a you know just the the bless them so to speak and go and so he went to this remote village and the villagers were standing around and they watched him flex and all these big muscles and they were they were like wow look at this warrior look at this I can't believe look at all these muscles and the chief walked up from the village and he said wow these muscles are big these are amazing what what can they do and he was like, oh, f- well, for me, I, they're just for show. For me, you know, I, I, I'm just there. I try to make them bigger so I can win competitions. And the chief just kept looking puzzled. And he was like, no, no, no. But what do they do? Like, how, how do you use them? And he was like, I, the only way I use them is to show them in the competition. And the chief just, he kept walking away puzzled. He couldn't figure out what in the world would this guy do all of that. And, and I love that scenario as we think about it with the armor of God in our life, right? That maybe you and I, we see the armor of God. We even hear about the armor of God. But God says, I don't want it just to be for show. 
I want it to be extremely useful in our lives as a Christian. Every single day, we're able to take up our armor and use it for the everyday experience in life. Not only to take it up and to use it, but to know how to wield what God has given us and to live into it by faith. And so in Ephesians chapter 6, the Apostle Paul is writing and he begins to tell us about this unseen battle that happens around us every single day. If you're joining us uh, for the series earlier, I would encourage you to go back and listen as we dive into what does the spiritual battle, what does the unseen battle look like and how there's a heavenly realm that we can't see and there's angels and demons and they're after this battle of our heart and our mind and our soul and there's this battle even between them that is going on that we see over and over again. And Ephesians chapter 6 says that a lot of times the battles that we face are not against flesh and blood, not against the things that we see, the people that we see in front of us. But in fact, they're a battle that is happening in the spiritual realm. And we have uh, studied and talked about how the spiritual flows into the physical. And oftentimes when we're under attack or we're feeling something that's happened in our life, we'll start in the physical. But God is saying, I want you to start in the spiritual and allow it to flow into the physical. Not that we need to change things in the physical, because we do. God instructs us to do that, to do things in the physical. But he says, start in the spiritual, because there may be a spiritual battle that is going on all around us. And then he says, if you want to withstand the attacks in the unseen battle, in the unseen world, God has given us these tools, these weapons, this armor, so to speak, so that we can stand firm against those attacks. And if you remember, uh, there's a whole list of them. He talks about the breastplate of righteousness and the breastplate protects our heart, right? And righteousness is doing what is right. It is a right standing before God. And so when you and I pursue what is right, it protects our heart, right? And so he's using this as an illustration, as the, the uh, armor, but for you and I to actually live into it every day, when we pursue righteousness, we're protecting our heart. We have, we're putting on the breastplate of righteousness. And then he says the belt of truth. We have to know what the truth is, right? The belt really holds everything all together. So we're not heading into battle trying to hold our tunic. Back in the day, they would wear these tunics and uh, keeping their pants on. We wear it today in our culture to keep our pants on nice and tight, right? And so the belt of truth holds it all together because if we don't know the truth, it's hard to, we'll we'll feel like we're stumbling around in life of going, is that right? Or is that right? Or is this the truth? But God says, I want you to know the truth because the truth can set you free, right? He's saying the truth is where it's at. We have the belt of truth and we have the helmet of salvation. He says, you have to protect your mind. We have this battle going on every single day in our minds, right? This, the helmet of salvation, knowing who we are in Christ will help us battle that. In Romans 12, it says the renewing of our mind, living as a daily sacrifice before Christ, right? Because we, have, we realize there's a battle going on inside of our minds and the enemy wants to come at us and attack our minds. He says you have to protect that. And the way that you protect that is knowing who you are in Christ. I am saved. I am redeemed. I am forgiven because that allows my mind to be renewed every single day. Then we talked about the, the gospel, the shoes of the gospel of peace, right? And how the gospel allows you and I, when we remember the gospel, not only does it save us and change us, but it's the message that we carry. And the gospel allows us, because of what Jesus did, to stand firm against the enemy. You and I can stand firm with the, the gospel of peace. We stand 
stand firm on what? The gospel, right? When the enemy comes at us, we're going, oh, you can come at me, but the gospel is good news. Jesus Christ died for me. All authority was given to Jesus. And Jesus says, I'm going to work through my people. I have authority, not because of Daniel, not because of who we are, but because of who Jesus is. And the gospel of peace allows me to stand firm against those attacks, right? It allows that to happen inside of our lives. And the gospel gives us peace in our daily life because I have peace with God and the gospel shows me how to have peace with others as well. And then the shield of faith, right? The shield of faith, it, uh, it blocks the fiery arrows that the enemy attacks at us. But in our everyday life, my faith extinguishes fear and doubt, right? Because I have faith and every time I feel fear and doubt, I go back to my faith. Who is my faith placed in? When I'm doubting or what I'm fearing or in Jesus, right? And so whenever I go back to my faith, it's like I'm pulling my shield back up. No, this is what I believe. This is how I live my life. This is what Jesus says, right? And then he gives us the only offensive weapon we have in our arsenal. And he says, what? The sword of the spirit, right? He says, take the sword of the spirit. And we learned last week that it's not just the physical Bible or even the message of the Bible, but the sword of the spirit is wielded when it becomes the, the used message of the Bible, when it becomes the spoken word in our lives and we use it as an offensive way to move forward in the enemy. In Matthew chapter 4, Jesus says what to go against the enemy? It is written. And he begins to speak his word towards the enemy against the attacks. And then this is where we get in Ephesians chapter 6. And, he, and the Apostle Paul takes it and he really sums everything up. And he says, use all of these things for the unseen battle. Use all of these things for the spiritual attacks that you and I are going to face. And then he kind of closes this section off nice and tight. And he says, I want you to do this. Here's how you intertwine all of that. Here's how you live into it every single day. Here's how you live into it when you go to school, when you go to work, in your marriage, in your uh, co-worker's life, when you're trying to parent. All of these different pieces. Here's what you want to do uh, as you live into it. So in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 16, we're going to read through 20. Everybody still doing okay? Y'all got me preaching already, and I was just, you know, at the beginning. We're going to dive into it, uh, because I believe this really helps us to understand how do we really lean into it, not only from all of those pieces, but God says this really ties everything together. It says in verse 16, In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication. That's another word, a type of praying. Supplication for all the saints. Also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in change, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. The Apostle Paul begins to preach and he says, hey, after all of this, there's a spiritual battle going on, an unseen battle, and I want you to pray in the Spirit in all times. Pray in the Spirit. Not only that, but stand up and make supplication for all of the saints, right? Because I'm going through unseen battles. You're going through unseen battles and we're in this thing together. And Paul says, pray for each other. Pray for the spiritual battles that you're going to be facing, that I'm going to be facing. And we lean into it and pray that. And then the Apostle Paul says, pray for me too. He's like, I'm in chains. I'm going to prison for preaching the gospel and I need boldness. I need strength. I need wisdom to tell people the mysteries of the gospel and all of those different pieces. And so I love that the Apostle Paul, who's actually leading them, 
He's like, will you pray for me too? I need a prayer too. And I love that because oftentimes we can sometimes feel like we can get very religious and it's like, oh, no, no, you know, don't worry about me. Don't worry about me. You just worry about you. But we see in scripture how it's healthy to go, yeah, pray for me too. Here's what I need prayer for. Here's what's going on. It creates this community. But if you're taking notes here today, I got a few notes for us because there's a lot of ideas circle around when we get to this portion of scripture. We're just talking about praying and how do we uh, move all of this. And honestly, I think if we think about if I were just to toss out the term prayer, there's probably a million different avenues that each one of us may face, right? Or we may have ideas about of what it looks like and talking to God, communicating with God. But how does that interact specifically with spiritual warfare? How does that uh, happen in the unseen battle? How do we live into this? And I think if we were honest with us and evaluated the prayer in our prayer life, I think that most of us would probably carry like a low level guilt of I need to pray more. I don't know about you, but you just kind of carry that like, oh, I wish I could pray more. I wish I could just make time for that. I wish this would happen, right? And we, we, we carry that in our daily life. And I think God wants to encourage us because if you and I, once we understand prayer, it changes how we pray, when we pray, why we pray, and the expectation of prayer in our life. When we fully understand what prayer is like and how that happens to us, it'll change all of that. It'll change the way we view prayer and the way that we can dive into it. And God is trying to teach us here in Ephesians 6, especially in the unseen battle, when we feel like the enemy is on us. Ephesians 6 talks about in the evil day when the devil is roaring around and we feel like we can't even breathe because he's attacking us in our mental state. We can just feel it. He is saying, hey, that's the time to stand firm. That's the time to dig in and to really seek after the heart of God and really to depend on him, especially in prayer. And the thing about prayer is, have you ever felt like, okay, but there's this weird way of carrying myself in prayer? Because we know God's not a vending machine, right? I just don't go to God and go, I want this, 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 and this. Thank you very much. And boom, here you go, right? Because if that were the case, that he would be a genie. And we know he's not a genie. We know that he is the supreme creator of all things who we worship in all things. But oftentimes we can read pieces in scripture, like in the book of Matthew, when it says, ask and it will be given to you. You're like, sweet. Let me just keep praying this, this, right? And then you want to go down my list and all those things, which because God always encourages us not only to ask but to keep on asking and to persevere over and it's like seek after me seek after me but what God wants you and I to understand about prayer is that it's more about relationship than it is about what we can get out of God in that moment and all throughout scripture if you want to kind of boil it all down God wants a relationship with you and I And what we are going through, God will use it to shape our relationship with him and with others. And he will mold us and shape us and grow us. But for whatever system that God created, what he created, especially in the realm of prayer, is that God chooses to work through his people and their prayers. God chooses to work through the prayers of his people. When we read scripture over and over again, we see that's the system that God set up. 
right? That we see this level, this opportunity that when we come before God, and so if we wrestle with this dichotomy, I don't know if you do, of going, okay, I'm supposed to pray before God, but he's not a genie, and I'm supposed to come to him and ask for him for prayer, and if he chooses to work through the prayers of his people, then how do I know what to pray for? How do I know what he's going to answer? How do I know that I'm in the right lane? And we begin to ask all of these questions, right? And we wrestle with it in the tension. And here's the thing that you and I have to realize in Ephesians chapter 6. He gives us a specific instruction, especially in the unseen battle. He says, pray in the spirit, right? Pray in the spirit. He leans in and he's going, hey, and right now unseen battles happen and pray in the spirit. And we see earlier in Ephesians 6 that, that you and I are, we have a soul inside of us that God is working with. The Holy Spirit dwells in us and guides us and changes us and mold us. And then he says, I want you to pray in agreement with the spirit, right? And he says, I want you to pray so that when you pray, you know you're agreeing with the spirit. And the surefire way that you and I know that we are praying in the spirit is when we pray the word of God, is when we pray what God's word says. And just like the sword of the spirit, where we're allowed to pray into that of what God can do in us and through us, because God, we know that God has a will that he wants to accomplish here on this earth. And for whatever reason, he looks down and goes, I'm going to create a, a crazy young man named Daniel Kaznave, and I'm going to work through him. I'm going to create Alan Hunt, and I'm going to work through him, right? I'm going to create Myra, and I'm going to work through her. Like all of these pieces, right? And God chooses to work through his people for the reasons maybe that are unbeknownst to us or whether we feel weak and we don't feel qualified, but God says, I'm going to work through my people because I want a relationship with them, and I want to rally them together. And so we know that God has a to advance the gospel here on earth. And so you and I, when we pray, it's not like we're trying to take our lasso, right? And throw it against heaven and go, okay, God, here's what I want to do. Here's what I want to happen in my life. Here's what is happening. And God is going, no, what I want you to do is more like a sailboat. Begin to look for the wind of going, okay, where's God moving? Where's God's will? Okay, the wind's blowing northwest at 150 degrees. God's moving in this area of my life. Let me step into what God is doing here in this moment. Let me step into what the Spirit is doing and begin to pray now in agreement with the Spirit. And now I'm adjusting. I'm not trying to get God to adjust, right? I'm adjusting to what the will of God is. I'm adjusting to what the Spirit is doing in us. And through us, and that takes a moment where we have to take the eyes off of ourselves and put it onto God, right? We're going, God, I, now what are you doing? I need to pursue you and seek after you and your moment in your life. And we get a picture of what this can look like for you and I. Because if you're taking notes, I'd love for you to write this down. There are, there are some things that God is going to do and God wants to do. He is just waiting on us to participate in it. There are some things that God wants to do. There are some things that he's going to do, right? But in relationships, he's saying, I want to work through my people, right? And I want them to pray to me. I want them to have a peace in this. And I even think about it because you and I can look at it and go, why, why would God do that, right? Like, why would God have it in his will, but then wait on me to come before him in prayer? And it's all about relationship. 
He wants you and I to realize where our provision comes from. He wants us to realize like, oh, I prayed and God acted on my behalf. Wow, this is amazing. Look at the relationship that I have with God. And now I can't come to you and go, do you see what I did? I have to point and go, I was praying to God and see how he worked, see how he moved in my life and see how he connected. And this amazing thing begins to happen because now God gets the glory. God gets the credit, not because of what we have done, but because of what Jesus has done. And the way this works out, we see in uh, James chapter five. And we're going to begin to break this down. And you guys ready? You're going to sit on the edge of your seat. You got your seatbelt buckled in. You got your ears tuned in because this is where it gets really good. And we get to, I say this, uh, I use this illustration a lot, but scripture allows you and I to pull back the curtain. There's a bunch of wires back there. Don't look. But we, we get to peek back the curtain and see what's happening in the unseen realm. We get to see what's happening in the heavenlies. And God allows us to do that through Scripture. In James chapter 5, it says this, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Why would the prayer of a righteous person have power? Because a righteous person is what? Seeking after what is right. A righteous person is aligning themselves with the will of God of going, I'm, I'm in his word. I'm attuned to the Holy Spirit. I know what God's will is. And so here's how I can pray for you. Right. And so they're praying because they're seeking after holiness. They're seeking after the heart of God. So the prayers of a righteous person, uh, he says, that has great power as it's working. And then he gives us his illustration. This is where it gets good. In verse 17, it says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. He prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain. So he gives us this picture of going, you remember this prophet Elijah in the Old Testament? And he's actually talking about the story in 1 Kings chapter 18. And he says, this prophet Elijah, he went to the king and he told them, I'm going to pray and it's not going to rain for three years and six months. Guess what? Elijah prayed and guess what? There was a drought for three years. In six months, he's listening to God. He's just saying what God told him to say. And then he goes back and God says, if you read, you can go back and read first Kings chapter 18. I'm telling you, it's a fascinating read and you better put your seatbelt on because God does some crazy things. OK, and so in first Kings chapter 18, the first picture we get is God tells Elijah, hey, go pray for rain because rain is coming. Like it's about to go pray for rain because I'm about to do something. OK, and you're going to pray uh, in accordance to what I am about to do. And so Elijah goes and he has this altercation with the prophets of Baal first in First Kings 18. It's a wild story. You need to go read it. And so basically he faces off. You got the prophets of Baal on one side and you got Elijah by himself, a prophet of God on this side. There's hundreds of them and they're saying, Elijah goes, you pray to your God. I'll pray to my God and let's see what happens. Right. Like, let's let's just see what happens. And so they begin to pray and, and dance around the altar and whip themselves and all these different things. And Elijah's over here taunting them. It's pretty funny if you read it. He's like, where's your God at? Is he using the bathroom? Is he gone? Like he's, all these things. He's he's taunting them. Right. And then so they're they're praying that fire would take over this altar, this sacrifice. And so they're dancing around this altar. Nothing happens, of course. And then Elijah's turn comes and he's like, hey, you know what? We need some more water on this thing. We need, you know, I need this to be unexplainable, 
Only God can do this. So they could take a bunch of water, dump it on the sacrifice, and it says so much water, it's drenched with water so much, it's running out and it created a ditch around. The water's even full. So God, so Elijah turns. He's not dancing around. He's not whipping himself. All of these things. He turns to God and he goes, God, this is what you told me to do. And he begins to pray this prayer. I can't quote it word for word, but we can turn around and he begins to pray and he asks God, God, will you send fire down from heaven and all of a sudden fire comes down from heaven and completely burns up this altar. This is the precursor to the story I'm about to tell you, right? In 1 Kings 18, right? Brings down fire from heaven. He prays, right? The fire was not there, but he prays into the heavenly realm. The heavenly realm, the spiritual realm moves into the physical and the physical is changed from the heavenly realm because Elijah decided to pray through the will of God. And he prayed and fire brought down into heaven. And then later, he... Elijah, God tells him that it's time for you to pray because rain is coming. So he goes up to the mountain and he begins to pray and he shows us the posture that he takes. He gets down on his knees and then it says he's on his knees and he puts his head between his legs. Okay, I'm not going to do that. You're like, Daniel's crazy. But like he puts his head between his legs and he begins to pray and says, God, it's been raining for three years and six months. You said it's going to rain. Now is the time to rain. And he goes back and he tells his servant, go toward the ocean and tell me if the rain is coming. So he goes back and he comes back and he says, no, nothing's there. So Elijah could have been like, God, you said to pray and it was going to pray. And it's praying, nothing's happening. But Elijah is living in faith. And he says, no, God said, He's going to send rain. And he told me to pray. So I'm praying. Go back and look. He does it seven times. And on the seventh time, the servant, can you imagine being the servant? Like, oh, I don't want to tell him again on the sixth time. There's nothing there. But on the seventh time, he runs to the mountain and he looks out over the ocean. He's like, can you believe it? I see a cloud the size of a man's hand. It is coming. He runs back and he tells Elijah and he tells he's like, hey, there's a cloud the size of a man's hand. I think the rain is coming. Elijah stands up. Even in that, we could have explained it away. Oh, it's just a cloud in the man's hand. It's not really going to rain. It's a cumulus cloud. It's probably not going to have, you know, produce any rain, whatever. And it, but no, he saw the cloud and he says, God's getting ready to move. And in fact, he goes to tell King Ahab. He says, you better get your chariots and you better ride on because the rain is coming and you're not going to be able to move. And all of a sudden they go back and look over the ocean and the rain is coming like a wall. I mean, this clouds are coming, bellowing over the, the motion for you and I. And we see this, right? Because Elijah trusted God at what he said and he began to pray and now the people who are around Elijah and Elijah look to him and go what did you do and Elijah's like this is all God all I did was pray to God and you and I for taking notes prayer calls down what God already intended to do Prayer calls down the will of God into our life, into the physical realm. And we see this play out over and over our lives. And prayer is the human means for humans to enter into the heavenly realm. We talk about the unseen battle, right? And he says, I, I want you to have the, enter into the spiritual warfare. You got the armor of God. But the way, right, we don't live in the heavenly realm. I mean, I can see you. You can see me. We live in the physical realm. But the way that you and I can enter into and fight into the heavenly realm is through our prayers. Because we're praying to God. We're leaning into that to happen. And I, I think our age, we have an unfair advantage to believe that that is true. You know why? 
Because uh, back in the day, what happened? You would have this big box, right? And you would have to walk up to it and turn on that little knob, right? Remember that? Yeah, turn on the knob and the TV would pop up and there would be a screen on there. And then, of course, what would happen when the signal was out? You got to go get the antenna. You got to change the antenna. You put aluminum foil on it. Hold your tongue right. Your brother standing out the window with his leg holding on the end. You know, all of these things, right? But now, uh, over the past 50 years, technology has gone so much. I don't have my phone on me. But I, I pull my phone out and I can type in a couple of words and hit send. And I can send it to every single person in this room. And all of a sudden, boom, 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 right? And we, we, have ta- we have learned in the physical how we can take this unseen signal that is all around us, but the only way this unseen signal, this Wi-Fi actually works is you have to have something to receive it, right? You have to have something to tap into the unseen. And when you have something like a cell phone or a router or now a TV or a Roku or all these different things, right? You have something to receive what is in the unseen. Now you and I when we pray we're receiving right and we're sending signal into the unseen and so you and I we have an unfair advantage from everybody else and that's ever happened in humanity because we can understand it maybe a little more clearly because we see it happen every single day when you and I send an email and you're like how did that big old email pdf get over there so fast and they can read every word and every image I just went through the airways and down into them and they receive it right but for you and I to lean in and go How did that happen when you began to pray? Because we understand that we're reaching into the heavenly realm. We're reaching into the unseen realm. And the way that we do that is through prayer. And the way that we do that, not only through prayer, but how do we know that God is working on our behalf is when we pray in the spirit, when we pray and align and attuned with the spirit of God, that he is working through us. And one of the things that you and I can do and we see over and over in scripture is when we pray specific and we pray God's words. And if you're taking notes, I'd love for you to write this down. When we bring what God said into prayer, now we are praying what the Spirit said. When I take a piece of Scripture and I begin to pray that Scripture back to God, now I am praying what the Spirit said and I'm praying in accordance to the will of God because I'm praying Scripture. And I can take that and then I begin to apply it in my life. I'm not just randomly going, okay, God, I like this. Give me this, give me this. And, and I hope you don't hear me say all of that and go, well, I can't ask God for things. That's not what I am saying. That's not what Scripture says. God wants us to give our burdens to Him and to ask those things. But the will of God and the Word of God allows us to understand sometimes, sometimes, a little more clearly of going, okay, God is doing this. And he wants us to pray into it. But God is doing that. And I'm going to trust him for the answers that I don't get. Right. And I'm going to trust him for the answers that maybe I won't understand until I get to heaven. And I can see all things and I'm walking with God and he can help me understand what is happening. I have to trust him in those moments. But we see this moment where you and I have going. God wants us to, to pray in accordance to the spirit. And the way that you and I can do that is when we take his word on my phone. Just a, a practical application piece. And when I find a prayer in scripture. 
scripture. I love to copy that down and paste it. I like to I do a lot of it on my phone. So I have a notes on my notes app and I just pull that thing up and I have about probably 15 different prayers. Matthew 6 is in there. There's a couple Psalms in there. And if there's something that's going on in my life, I try to attach it to a piece of scripture of going, okay, this is what I'm praying into right now. So let me attach this piece of scripture and whatever it is. And, I, and I'm attaching to that. So now I'm praying with what God's word says. And I'm not trying to make the word fit to what I want, but I'm looking at God's word going, okay, God's word says this. Now here's how I can pray for it. Ephesians actually has some beautiful prayers in it. If you read through it, God begins to work through it in, in an incredible way. But every time that you and I begin to pray, I think the reason why we kind of carry that low level guilt of prayer is because there's an unseen battle. And if you were the enemy and the only way that God's children can tap into the supernatural, can tap into the unseen is through prayer. What would you try to get them to stop doing? Right. If, if the only way that you and I start in the spiritual first, in the heavenly realm first, the only way that we can reach up by human means into that, if that's the only way, if you were the enemy, what would be your prime tactic to go? They need to be distracted as much as possible, right? Like, do not get them praying. And if they do start praying, get them to start praying on just uh, random things, okay? Just get them to pray whatever it is. And then all of a sudden we see in Scripture, because they asked Jesus, Jesus, how do we pray? I think that's fascinating because they were Jewish men who grew up praying. and But they watched Jesus pray and go, ooh, he's doing something different. He's praying, leaning in. Or, or maybe they saw him healing or whatever it may be. And they're like, we need to pray like that. Jesus teach us how to pray and Jesus didn't turn to them and go oh just talk to God he said hey pray like this our father hallowed be thy name right and he gives us this template of beginning to unlock what God wants to do in our lives and he gives them a peace which is now scripture for you and I to lean into okay this is how God wants us to lean into prayer of what it may be because we don't know what's happening in the unseen realm around us and very quickly I'm going to close with this and um, I just want us to get this picture we started with this story and I kind of want to close with this story because in Daniel chapter 9 and 10 we see that the uh, Daniel begins to pray. This is a solid name, by the way, Daniel. But we see in the Old Testament, Daniel, he begins to pray to God. And as he's praying to God, uh, God comes down, Gabriel, and talks to him. It says that Daniel was praying for 21 days. When Daniel began to pray, he couldn't see the unseen realm. He couldn't see the spiritual battle that was taking place. So Gabriel comes and he begins to talk to Daniel. And I, I'm not saying when you pray, an angel's going to come and talk to you. But in this particular moment, in this season of time, God saw it fit that Daniel needed to get this message so that we could read the book of Daniel thousands of years later. But Daniel began to pray. And as Daniel began to pray, 21 days later, that Gabriel came and appeared to him and he said, Daniel, I've come to tell you what you've been praying for. You've been praying for clarity over over what this vision is and I'm here to give it to you but I want you to know that you've been praying for 21 days and the reason why you've been praying for 21 days is because I was tied up in a spiritual battle I was tied up in a battle in the heavenly realms I was on when you started praying God sent down the answer but for 21 days I was fighting the the it talks about the the demon that's part of Persia over that particular area I was fighting this demon in the heavenly realms for 21 days and then the archangel 
angel Michael came, right? And he came and he took over for me and started handling business. So now I came to you and he freed me up to come tell you this message. But you and I, we can't see all that. All we see is us on our knees for 21 days going, God, please, right? I just need you to answer this. I need you to answer this. But there's an unseen battle that has taken place. All we can do is go, God, I, I'm praying into this. I'm trusting you that you are handling all of that. I know there's a spiritual battle that has taken place. But I, I believe, right, because we see this. It's in Scripture, in the book of Daniel, that the angels started to move when Daniel began to pray. Right? And he came down and brought an answer. Not that the angels are going to bring us all the answers that we need. But we begin to pray and God brings comfort in a moment. God brings peace in a moment, God brings the presence of the Holy Spirit just to give us that moment of what maybe we need the comfort. Maybe we need the grace. Maybe we need the encouragement. Maybe we need the healing. Maybe we need the emotional healing. Whatever it may be. Maybe we just need, we're under this spiritual attack of doubt and fear and our, our mental mind. And we feel like it's running away and we enter into the heavenly realm going, God, I need you in this moment. Your word says this, this, and this. I'm feeling fearful about my life, God, but your word says that you hold Hold me into your hand and my eternity is secure, God. So on my worst day, I know I'm going to be with you. So give me peace in knowing who you are. Right. And all of a sudden we're praying what scripture says and it aligns and attunes our heart back to prayer. But specifically in spiritual warfare, you and I can lean into the word that God gives us. And we begin to pray the word of God. It's the sword of the spirit inside of our lives, because when you when we start talking to heaven, the enemy wants to stop it. And I believe that there's a, there's a battle that is taking place in your life and in our lives that God wants to see it. And if we change our perspectives, that one of the most powerful things that you and I can do, especially when we're under attack, is to begin to pray. Not only pray, but pray in the Spirit. Pray in accordance to God's Word and His will and begin to allow God's Word to shape and mold us inside of our hearts, inside of our minds, but it's understanding the right perspective of what we can see and what God can do in it and through it. I want to close with this unseen battle that happens in our life. I want to tell you this story. It's a deeply personal story and it's a kind of wild story, so if you think I'm crazy after this, I'm sorry. Um, but... I remember when we were praying, you're like, I love when you set it up like that, Daniel. But I, when, I was, when I was born, um, I had what they thought was spinal meningitis. And I was really blue. My mom wasn't sure. And, um, and they actually kind of told her, hey, you, you maybe need to prepare for the worst here in this moment. And so, of course, can you imagine just the, the, the weight that she felt? Well, that night, my mom fell asleep and she had a dream. And I was there at her feet. And the devil was there and God was there. And the devil said, can I have his life? And I remember my mom, she said she felt like it was real. And that moment, can I have his life? And the God looked at the enemy and says, no, I've got plans for this one here. And all of a sudden, it woke up in that moment. She was so terrified. She was calling friends. She thought it was real. She's like, is he still alive? What is happening in this? And then when I was 16, she called me. She said, where are you right now? I said, hey, I'm over at so-and-so's house. I still remember today. I'm so at so-and-so's house. I'm ready to drive home. She's like, don't drive on this road. She's like, because I just had a dream. You're on this road, and this happened, and the same thing. The devil was standing there, and God was standing there and said, can I have his life? Can I have his life? And then the guy said, no, I got some plans for this one here. And she woke up, and she called me. She, she said, because it felt so 
real in that moment. And I remember as a 16-year-old kid, I'm like, oh, this is kind of crazy, but okay, I, I got you, Mom, right? And, but now as I get older and surrender my life to Christ, surrender to the calling of God, of seeing what the enemy wants to do in our life and in your life, there's this unseen battle that is going on around us. And the enemy, of course, if he wants anything, what would he want? To stop our prayers and to stop us from telling other people about what they have in Jesus, right? If the enemy was, let's say, hey, if you're a Christian, I can't stop that now. You surrendered your life to Jesus. But if I can stop you as a USCB college student from hitting that college and telling everybody the secret that has happened in the heavenly realm and everything that they have in the armor of God, if they can stop that, then they're going to limit some of the influence, right? But God is going, no, I want you to stand firm with everything that I have given you. It is given to you freely by grace, but it takes our faith to step into it. It takes takes our faith to go, oh, I need to know more about this because God's given me so much power and authority through his name and his word is so powerful and it's the, it's the sword of the spirit. I got to get ready. I got to understand it. When I go into battle and I hand you a sword and you never touch it and then you go into battle and you're like, oh, I'm trying to figure this thing out in real time, right? But what do soldiers do? They're always, they're constantly getting better. They're constantly, how to wield this sword better? How do I memorize more scripture? How do I use this? How do I talk to this person? How do I segue this conversation? conversation and they're constantly learning how do I use what God has given us because God the enemy is looking at your life going if I can silence them if I can discourage them so that they won't tell their kids about this they won't tell their neighbors about this they they won't even they'll struggle to even believe it themselves right but you and I we hold up the shield of faith going no I, I even though I'm walking in the middle of the fire, I know that God will never leave me nor forsake me. Right. Your feelings may go, look, and I'm closing, I promise we're going a little long today, wrapping up a series, but we can feel alone. We can feel alone. But my belt of truth says God will never leave me nor forsake me. That's the truth. That's the word of God. And so when I feel my emotions are trying to tell me one thing, what is true, even though I may not feel it in the moment. No, God will never leave me nor forsake me. Right. I get the fiery arrow that wants to extinguish everything. You are alone. You are nothing. You can't do nothing. No, I am a new creation in Christ. I've given my life to him. He's given me power. He's given me hope. He's given me strength, right? And all of a sudden, God gives us a renewed spirit in us. It's like that glimmer of hope that you and I can get through his scripture and through his word. And that's why I think church is so important. Small group is so important, right? Because there's going to be days when we feel under attack and we feel that way. And our belt maybe came a little loose, right? <laughs> and you need that small group to go, hey, this is what the Word of God says. This is what His, little, let me just help you out here, right? And the armor of God, the only thing that is exposed is what? Our back, because we're never meant to retreat. And when we stand together, right? Back to back. I got your back. You got my back. We're going to roll this thing together. We're going to fight this thing together. And we move forward in faith, right? The gospel tells me who I am. The gospel gives me strength. The gospel gives me power in all of that. And so as we wrap this series up, I just want to pray for us as a church and 
Um, we're actually getting ready to take communion, which is a beautiful opportunity for us to remember what Christ has done for us. We remember the gospel, and it allows us, our minds, to remember what God is doing in us and through us. And so, and when I get done praying, I'm going to just introduce uh, communion, and we're going to take communion together as a church. But let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word, your truth. Uh, God, thank you so much for everything that you give us, the full armor of God. God, I pray that you give us the faith to take that up every single day, Jesus. Give us strength to trust you, God. Give us strength to walk in your grace, to walk in your goodness. And God, I pray that today we have this uh, just reinvigorated sense of, God, I'm going to begin to pray. I'm going to lean more into the prayer. And not only that, but praying in the Spirit, aligning myself, aligning my heart with what your Word is doing, God. And I pray that you would just speak to our hearts. God, I pray that you will bind the enemy in Jesus' name. I pray that we will remember your words to us in Scripture. As you said, that for God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that for every person who will believe in Him will not perish, but have eternal life in that verse that maybe we heard as a kid, God, just reminds us of your beauty and of your grace and that we have eternal hope in you, Jesus. Thank you for all that you've done. We ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Thank you for tuning in to the Bridge Church Podcast. If you would like to find out more information about our church, you can simply visit our website at thebridgebluffton.com. Have a blessed day.